computers. This is Intelligent Performance. Welcome to Intelligent Performance, where we are fanatical about excellence in human endeavor. And today we welcome Bill McGowan, an incredibly accomplished entrepreneur, business owner, and the founder of the Fastway Courier Group. Bill, if you don't know, had gone on to basically take a business from scratch and build it into a nine-figure exit, exiting a few years ago now, but incredibly incredible and inspiring success story, which I'm sure many of us in business would like to replicate. And that's really the topic we look at. Who is business right for? Who should be in business? And who ultimately shouldn't be operating a business? And one of the things which we're going to touch on is how did Bill actually do it? And you'll notice we focus really heavily around goal setting, but actually the distance coming back to his goals and how that's produced results time and time again. It's an awesome conversation. Thanks for joining us. Can't wait to get into it. So, Bill, thank you for joining us today. You're a very accomplished uh, business owner and with a huge track record of success. And now, of course, you've you just released your first book. Where I'd love to start, though, is probably maybe the first book was the wrong thing to say because you've produced books many a time and it's actually been the goal book, which is what you've been focused on. I really want to hear your perspective on what, why goal setting, in your opinion, is, is such a, a kind of a secret source for anyone who's in their business or looking to step into it. I think... Many, many years ago, when I was about 13 years of age, my grandfather said to me that you can be anything or anyone as long as you have direction, you set your goals, you write them down, and you make those goals drive you forward. Now, I, in those days, I would, um, I wrote down that I wanted to have a lawn mowing business, and I pictured drew little pictures of lawnmowers and then I decided, how am I going to get them? So I then started to work out a business plan of how I was going to start a lawn mowing business. The catalyst behind the lawn mowing business is that I wanted a car by the time I turned 15 because that was the day we had a car in New Zealand. So I used, I figured out what a car would cost. I took a photo of the car and put that into my little goal book. And in those days, my goal book was just a, just a little scrapbook. and I worked out how much money I would need to get over a two-year period, which was when I would turn 15. I then decided that a good way to get lawnmowers was to go to the rubbish dump where people would throw their old lawnmowers out. So I went about going down there every Sunday, picking up the lawnmowers that people had thrown away and started working on them and fixing them and then realising that I had to get these lawnmowers out mowing lawns. And I ended up with about 13 boys working for me at the age of 13, earning as much as my father was as a headmaster of a school. And I started plotting in my little graph in my, in my scrapbook exactly how much money I was making each week. And I realized that I was actually tracking my actual graph that I had set. The odd days that it would slip down, I'd get out there and go and do some more, more lawns myself just to keep that dollar revenue on that line so that I would hit that car the day I turned 15. So that was my first bit of goal setting. Obviously, after that, I went into, into business into numerous businesses, but I always use my personal goal to drive those businesses. Um, my first major business was a company called Better Freight Limited, and I decided that I wanted a boat. So I worked out what boat I wanted, once again, a photo of the boat into the goal book and worked out the price, how much money I'd need. And then I realized I'd need to start quite a substantial business in this freight consulting business. So I plotted 
my business plan. I used my business plan and then worked out what I'd need to get so that I could achieve my boat. Now, that boat took me a year to get. And at the end of that year, I'd hit my business plan. I'd opened three branches, one in Auckland, one in Wellington, one in Christchurch, New Zealand. And the same thing as with my car when I was 13. I plotted my revenue stream. And if I wasn't, I wasn't achieving that graph line to get to the boat, I would go out there and, and do more work myself. And at one stage, it meant going and selling vacuum cleaners door to door because I was flipping back on the revenue stream that I had to have. The business went well and I sold that business when it got to the level in my planning. So then my next step was I, had, I formed a company called Container Packaging and we developed the very... Did you, you get the boat built? I got the boat. Okay, good. <laughs> the next business was a company called Container Packaging Limited and I developed the very first collapsible freight containers. And it was the same, the same thing again. I worked out that I wanted another house. I wanted a, a car. A whole, I wanted a brand new car, a Holden Statesman it was in those days. And I calculated back into my goal book. What I actually did is I started, I built a, um, designed a nice little goal book where I've, I've set everything into, into personal and business goals and broke it all down into weekly and monthly and, and longer term goals. So I started using a, a more elaborate goal book because I realized that it was the goal setting that was driving my business forward and into profitability. So eventually, the same thing happened with Fastway. But with Fastway, it was a little bit of a different story. I sold everything I had. I sold my house, my cars, my boat, um, sold the lot to put the money into starting this business. I spent a year doing research. But once again, I'd set my goals. I had a goal to start within a year of the research starting. I put together a business plan, and my first goal was to be able to purchase a house again, having sold everything and put all the money into the business. So it had to be a house. So I was living in, a, in Hawke's Bay at the time, and I decided that Havelock North was where I wanted to live. So I went and had a look at what houses were there and what was available. And once again, took a photo of a few houses, put them into my book, worked out what I was going to need to drive the business to, to be able to get the deposit on the first house and to be able to make the payments after a year. So Fastway, we did a five-year business plan and within every year, we were within like 1% normally above. So the business planning was very, very accurate, um, but it was all driven by my personal goals to, to get back into the property market. As the business grew, once again, boats and, and cars and things came back into the process or holidays overseas. But every single part of my business has always been driven by my goal setting. So Bill, tell me, what is it about goal setting that you think is works? Well, I think number one is it's got to be written and it's got to be visual and it's got to be measurable. If you've just got a visual picture and you're saying, oh, yeah, I'll get there one day, it's not going to work. You've got to plot a graph or, or some type of monitoring chart that goes right to the period of time. You can't have something that you say, oh, I want that boat sometime in the future. It's got to be one year, two years. It's got to be a period of time. It's got to be measurable. And you've got to be able to plot success. When you see you're following that line to get to your, your goal, your personal goal, it motivates you even further. And I think one of the big things that I do every year at Christmas is I sit down and go back through all my old goal books. I've got all my goal books since 1970. And that's the start of my goal setting process for the next year. So I sit down and go through all the books. Whenever I achieve something, I highlight it in yellow. So I go through all the highlighted portions first, and I look at the things that didn't get highlighted, and there weren't very many. 
but then I sit down and do my next lot of goal setting for the coming year. So I normally base my goals on a one-year period. And like right now, I've semi-retired, but I've got a whole new process back in place for a whole new business that I've been developing with um, two other consultants at the moment. Oh, I love it. As a as an avid goal setter, I am definitely on the on this train. I think what I often challenged by is when things get off track, though, right? And so I'm interested to understand because it's great when things are on track and you can see progress. Often in life, things come up. I'm sure, no doubt, across your business ex- experience, you would have found the same. What do you? How do you approach that? Because I think that's a lot of a lot of times I find people that kind of really scares people around setting goals because of the fear of not hitting it. Have you found the same? Well, I use a formula called A plus G equals M. So the A is aggression. We've all got aggression. So I use my aggression to make me goal set, which in turn motivates me. Now, it's a discipline. Goal setting in the written form is not something that you do once a month or whatever. It's something you do every single day. So every morning when I first get up, the first thing I do is sit down with my cup of coffee and go through my goal book and reflect where I'm actually at at the moment. Um, so you've got to use that aggression that you've got to make your goal set every day, to make you review your plans. Now, sometimes you do have to review the period. You may have to lengthen it slightly because of business activity. Um, but the biggest thing is, is it's got to be measurable. Now, when I see myself slipping and, I, and I'm just below that line and I'm not on that track in a direct line, I, I'm, I'm motivated. I'm motivated to get out there and find other ways to grow that business faster than what I'm doing at the time. So right now I'm starting a new business. Obviously, the writing of the books is part of it, but we're running a series of seminars starting from the end of August this year called Be Your Own Boss Seminars. That we're starting basically one of the things that I found with most people that joined our Fastway team was that a lot of people don't have their, their head in the right mindset. They've got to be thinking differently to go into business on their own account. So one of the things that we work on is getting the mindset right into the head. Uh, Number two is obviously the goal setting. We teach, we're going to be teaching people how to goal set, and then we're going to be working with them on the um, wheel of fortune to decide and get them to analyze whether or not they're really suited to franchise or to going into business on their own account. So, sure. so, so this, the wheel of fortune will show them whether they should stay working for a boss, whether franchising is the right angle for them, or starting their own business is the right angle. For them. Um, so, what I'm trying to do right now is I've, I've um, plotted a course. I sold my my last boat during COVID. So now I'm plotting for a new boat and I'm doing a whole new series of business plans to get that boat within the next year. I love that. So once again, I'm back to goal setting and using my personal goals to drive the business goals. I love the humility of that, Bill. And I think some people might think that's very simplistic or what's the word? I don't know, with someone who's very accomplished, you might have thought that you could take the foot off the accelerator of the goal setting, but I love that you're still getting back to the real, you know what works, especially when it comes to boats. Boats seem to really float your boat, as it were. Well, so, yeah, um, they, they do, but it can be anything. It can be it can be a, a house. It can be, like for me, it's been over the years, it's been numerous houses, so I've always wanted to, to up the scale. The biggest thing is, is I believe that if you're in business running a business, if you're not achieving something for yourself, the business is going to slip back. So if you're using your own personal goals to drive the business, it means the business is going to be going forward and growing. And the people around you, like in business, now this latest business, there will be only three of us working in it. 
whereas I had thousands and thousands of people in the fast way business. So every every business is different, but my goals will be driving the other two individuals that'll be working working with me into that system. But I know that uh, both of, both of them are goal setters as well. <laughs> So their, their goals might be slightly different to mine, but mine will drive everybody forward as well. Makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, yeah, company success, but also making it very personal, certainly, in terms of motivation is very, well, very I think get satisfaction out of your achievements, your personal achievements. I got a lot of satisfaction out of the fact of the number of people that we found work for um, and who made a living from the Fastway system. But yet the most gratification that I got is as I achieved my personal goals. and. Um, you know, to me, that's that's the key to success in business. I love that. I love that. So one thing I want to, actually two things I want to come back to. So come back to the formula real quick. Aggression, I miss the other bits. Okay. Use your aggression to goal set, which in turn will make you motivated. So A plus G equals M. But if you just sit back there and put your goal book down and you don't use it, you know, oh, you know, I, I don't need that today or, or whatever, it's not going to happen for you. So you've got to use that aggression that you've got to force yourself into using the goal book on a daily basis. So the M is motivation, I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting because motivation can come and go, and I certainly know that from experience. Is that what you're saying? So maintaining. So when you're looking at your when you're looking at the the goal book every day, okay, number one, you've got that visual picture. I always use a visual picture as well as as doing all my my mathematical calculations to show me how I'm getting there. In the personal part of my goal book, the calculations aren't as developed as they are in the business side, because the business side is there's various streams of revenue coming from every angle, whereas on the personal side, I might only know what that revenue stream is once a month. So the plotting on the graph is once a month in the personal side to see that I'm getting to achieving my goal, whereas in the business side, it's daily. There's revenue streams and, and things coming from every angle. Okay. That's really cool. And so tell me, where did goal setting for you start like in terms i get your personal bit but who got you onto it who got you hooked on it, it was my, my grandfather and he was a real goal setter he came from croatia to new zealand back in 1903 and he came on the boat as a stoker with a mate of his and before they left they decided well how are we going to afford to live in new zealand when we get there so they devised a plan that they would both do 12-hour shifts um, different shifts, and then instead of having, instead of taking uh, their personal goods on the boat in the space that they were allocated, they they took watered or old wine, or brand new wine barrels, which they filled with water and they sold fresh water. And every stop they went to, they got fresh water and they put fruit like lemon or lime in it to make it taste good because the ship's water was was vile. So they made enough money to start in business, but they had a plan. They had it written down, and in those days, my grandfather showed me that original document that they had planned and how much money they thought that they would make on the whole trip. So they were getting paid as stokers, and they were making money from selling their water, and they just guarded that water. So the one that wasn't working guarded the water barrels and sold the water. So, but I actually saw, when I was about 12, my leader showed me the actual document, which was pretty well moth-eaten by those days, and I, that's when I got my idea. I thought, this is the way, this is what you've got to do. You've got to, everything's got to be visual. It's got to be measurable and you've got to be accountable. So um, that's how I started goal setting. And as I said, my very first goal book was just an old scrapbook. Whereas today it's, I've got quite a, you know, an elaborate book. Well, I've got, I've got some of my ex-franchisees that do it slightly differently than me. 
Some of them have brought goal setting software that they use on their computers. And others used vision boards where they have a big board in their office or at home where they, they use the board rather than the goal book. I like the goal book. Um, I used to travel a lot for work. So that's why I developed a smaller, a smaller book. And I could take it everywhere with me and it was there for me every morning. Whereas I think if it's on your computer, you've got to have a laptop or a computer with you all the time. A vision board you can't take with you. For me, it's my goal book, but everybody's slightly different. But the interesting thing is when I run seminars and I ask people to put their hands up if they actually use a goal book and set their goals in the written form, and very few hands ever go up. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary. What, what do you think that is just from your perspective, Bill? I think a lot of people find it as a, is something that they have to do every day and it's a discipline that they just don't have. They're the same people that start their physical training and two or three weeks down the track, they're back to not not doing their walk or, or going to the gym. It's the same type of thing. You've really got to use that aggression to make you to make you do it, to actually sit down and goal set. I love that. Aggression plus goal equals M, motivation. Very cool, Bill. Well, let's... Um... Talking about different people, one thing which really stood out to me stood out to me about your book was that wheel of fortune. Because I've often thought that entrepreneurship, running, being your own boss, sounds to a lot of people sounds really good. I've often think though is that it really isn't everyone's cup of tea because of the level of diligence, discipline, crikey, you name it, Bill, all the different skills that it requires. Usually, generalist skills rather than kind of deep expertise. Tell me. Tell me a bit more about the Wheel of Fortune. How do you approach that with your franchisees and, and how have you used that in business? Well, I, I used the Wheel of Fortune process in our recruitment process. I used to make potential franchisees go through and, and rate themselves to start with. But the way I've developed the Wheel of Fortune is one side is uh, the various things that you need that you can't train and the other side are things that you can train. So when you look at the wheel, if you get a nice line all the way around the outside of the wheel, it means you've got the abilities to start your own business and you've got the ability to drive a business startup. So if you've got a wheel that's a bit bumpy on, on the left-hand side it, and strong on the right-hand side, it means that you've got the physical and, and personable qualities, but the trainable qualities is something that you can probably be trained in in, in franchising or working you know, with, with other people. So the actual Wheel of Fortune enables the reader to, to sit down, answer the questions truthfully, plot the answers onto the graph, the right on the graph, and uh, then look to see where their wheel fits. And how many people do that and then realise they shouldn't be be their own boss? I would say out of the people that I would, would have interviewed in the, in the early days of the Fastway, I would say probably 75%. Wow. Okay, that's and these are people that thought they wanted to be their own boss. So that would be the level that we would have been rejecting out of those that came along for, for interviews. And so I'm guessing you're mainly rejecting the trained skills. Sorry, no, rejecting the inherent or what you would deem to be natural abilities, Bill. And natural abilities is what they need. And for franchising, you can train the other skills. It's a really interesting concept. And one thing we're very interested on the Intelligent Performance Podcast is really about giving you that edge, right? So add that edge as a as a business owner, as it might be an athlete, might, whatever you what you're doing. Help me understand. Given that criteria, I know I've read Macca's approach to franchisee. Reading that document about what they demand of their franchisees was just like wild to me. That they, you know, the financial position they expect, the 
the, the year's worth of free labour they expect. I'm just like, wow. So tell me, is that what gives Mackers? Is that what gave you an edge in the franchising space? Because I know it's very can be very competitive, right? Well, I think like number one is that we were pretty innovative and the amount of research that I did at the start showed me where there were niches in the market that I could get into. But then I had to work out how can I how can I get into that niche? So I had to look at things like going prepaid, which saved about 25%, because running accounting and the likes was around about 25% of your cost structure. Having call centers was another high cost of around, I think it was about 12%. So we didn't have call centers. We designed each courier had like a, a bus timetable where they called at set times on our clients because the only clients we wanted were clients that sent a minimum of 10 parcels a day. So we would call twice a day at a set time. The client knew when and we knew when. So the client didn't have to waste time on the, on the phone calling for a courier pickup. Franchising saved money because our courier franchisees were far more effective uh, at getting new business. For example, one of the marketing processes we used was called saturated marketing. And the couriers had to drop at non-clients so many brochures every single day. So that was something that was in their goal books. And they would have to go through and mark off that they had dropped those flyers. So they all had so many different flyers, but it was a very cost-effective way of getting new business. So it was one of those disciplines that fallen from the goal-setting side. Interesting. And I think it sounds like the word discipline keeps coming up a bit right here in terms of what a, uh, an effective business owner needs to demonstrate. And is that, tell me a bit more about the Be Your Own Boss book. Like there's lots of business books out there. Where do you see that you've kind of focused this in terms of adding value to the broader market, say? Well, the first part, the first part of the book is that it's based on my 50 years of business experience and it's based on actual things that make businesses grow and enables people to start up businesses. And we started we started the business in New Zealand. We rapidly got to 25 regions that we operated in. We then came to Australia and we then moved globally. And starting a new business is, is difficult. And a lot of people have the ability to run businesses, but they don't have the ability to start businesses. So that's, you know, we can find people in the wheel of fortune that show up as being people that could run pe- run businesses because their personal skills are very good, their analytical skills, financial skills, but Doing a startup, they're never able to do a startup. Uh, so what I've used in the book is I've used my pathway story. So I've just tried to summarize the various things that, and the challenges that hit me along the way and the things that we had to do, the research that we had to do to enable, to make sure we had that unique selling point that we were going to be able to grow a, a very successful business. Um, so the pathway story is there. We then delve into going into business, what it's like on your own account. So to give people an idea, it's not all easy. It's, you know, starting a new, starting a business at any time is not simple. We then go into, obviously, goal setting, which is which is one of the key things for me. We go into business planning, and this is the basics, goal setting, business planning. And one of the big things is, what does a banker want to see? So, you know, most business people are going to need to need funds. I needed funds. I'd sold a house, um, cars and boat but I still needed extra money because my business plan showed what I needed to develop the business. And so I had to, you know, to, to work with banks as well. And there's a, in the fast way story, there's a very interesting, colorful bank interview, if you like, which people will enjoy reading. Most people comment to me to say, oh, I really love that banker section. Tell us about it, Bill. What, what happened? Okay, we, we um, put our business plan together and the business plan was so good, I believe, that we had in, in New Zealand in those days, we had 
qualitative licensing, which meant we had to go and apply to, to transport court to get licenses. And the big boys, all the big competitors, basically had the big lawyers and whatever would come in and stop small boys starting. Well, with my business plan and the amount of research, the judge just gave us every license we wanted. And we were one of the first people ever to be granted so many new licenses from, from a startup. So I took that whole business plan to the bank, left it with the bank for a week. I got there and I, you know, he kept us waiting to start with. And when I got went in there, the desk was clean. So I knew that, you know, this guy and 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 my business plan didn't even look as if it had been open. So he came out straight away and said, Oh, well, we're not really lending into transport at the moment, etc. And I had to bang the table a few times. And um, so in the end, we left. And at that stage, I had nearly half a million dollars sitting in that bank from having sold all my assets. So I basically demanded all that money in cash. He was saying that, oh, oh we, we can't let you go out with the cash. And then he said, oh, we don't have that much cash at the moment until our delivery arrives. So I said, no problem. I'll wait. So I just sat at his desk, wouldn't move. My accountant left and went across the road to the bank that he um, dealt with, um, took, took a business plan over there. And I still sat waiting. Um, with this other guy and uh, yeah there was some nice language used and but in the end we uh, transferred the cash across the road and that night the bank manager across the road got me to come back at six o'clock at night he let me into the building we talked he said you've got the facilities that you need to grow your business and um, he was a good bank manager because every single month he visited our our premises and our our offices and would talk to our couriers and he'd, he'd bring morning tea or one of the courier meets but he was a person that he knew he'd lent us the money, but he wanted to make sure it was was all going in the right direction. And we developed a very, very close business relationship. But so what I've tried to do in the book is is to say really what you need to present to your bank to get them to be able to consider things. One of the key things is is having a really simple summary at the end. So because that's that's all that the bank manager normally reads. Interesting. Um, and so. you finding it still current, Bill, despite changes um, in lending criteria? Like is it that that banking or that kind of a banking experience that you've had, given that things have gone from kind of branch based to largely and it's nationally based now, like you're still finding that that's still focused and can still kind of it is. Um it is and, and the bank system has has changed. Like in the old days, um the banks were doing the were out there, for example, looking for for mortgages and uh, they had their own salespeople, whereas now they use brokers. And so there's a lot of business brokers now that will put your, your proposition together and they deal with the bank, not you. Um, yes, so there are some some changes, but I think the basics that you need haven't changed. Someone is going to be analysing that information. Uh, they want they want you to use the KISS principle, keep it simple so that the stupid bank manager can understand it. <laughs> That's the best S I've heard so far. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds almost like KISS me or something like that, the way we can adjust the uh, acronym. So. Very cool. Very interesting. So tell me, for you, Bill, from what you've described, you could be mistaken by thinking that your journey's been a uh, beautiful hypothetical startup graph from a low left-hand side to a high right-hand side and everything's gone swimmingly. Help me understand a bit more about some of the challenges you face because it's no, I'm sure it's it's no picnic doing business in so many different regions. What, what were some of the days where you, or some of the challenges that you felt you know what, maybe business isn't for me after all. Every day, every day there was a challenge. Um, <laughs> like right in the startup phase, because one of the things that we had adapted was a prepaid label. And 
we then found out that there was waybill legislation which prohibited the idea of a prepaid label, whereas a waybill was costing, I can't even remember the cost now, but well over a dollar a waybill in those days was a prepaid label was a, about a cent. And Bill, what's a way label, sorry? It was like a freight note where you had to have numerous copies and you had to record certain information, details of the sender, the receiver, what was in the packages, any declarations if there was dangerous goods. It was a whole heap of information there. So so all of a sudden we we realised that, gee, this one of our key points to our business plan, there was a stumbling block. But then I realised that all the bus companies would have the same thing because they used to sell like a stamp, which they put on the parcel. Uh, so I got all the bus companies together and we had a big meeting and then we went lobbied government and lobbying was so strong. And I think mainly because New Zealand Road Services bus company was owned by the government and it was one of the big players and they would have been not able to operate or take freight. So we we managed to, to change basically the legislation very, very quickly into allowing prepaid labels and showed them that we had the systems to be able to to trace and track the goods, et cetera. Lots of things happened. Um, you know, you might have roads where there was a major weather event and the roads were closed for weeks on, on end and we still had to figure out how we're going to get all our freight and our lineable trucks at night between the depots. Uh, yeah, just every day there was another challenge thrown at you. But I think for me, even though those challenges were thrown at me, I still come back to that goal book, which I used every single morning. I've got to get to my goals. I've got to get there. I've got to find a way around this. And, I think that's just the way it worked. Yes, there are a lot of bumps along the way, but I still came back to achieving that end goal, which was my personal goals. I love that. And I think it's um, what strikes me actually is, is discipline. As much as goals important to you, it's actually having the discipline to keep coming back to the goal and to keep adding the aggression plus the goal equals motivation. I feel like that is really what stands you apart, Bill, from perhaps... People who are have similar goals but actually don't don't have the uh, discipline to back it up. Would would you agree with that? I, I agree with that. I've, I've always said that A plus G equals M has been my success formula. Too many people have goals and they have personal goals, but they're not written and visual, measurable, monitorable, and they'll just let them slide with the eddies of time. Sometimes um, that's not good for, for anybody. It's not good for a business, and it's not good for a person's self-esteem. For me, to be successful, I had to achieve my personal goals. Um, success wasn't running a, a business turning over half a billion a year. Success was me achieving my goals and my development. Now, in my goal setting, there were some things that weren't money related. I used to make sure that I could get on to various courses for example, as technology changed, I tried to teach myself as much as I could by going to outside training, if you like, to bring myself up so that I wasn't having someone pull the wool over my eyes. I kept furthering my education as the business developed. And I think, you know, we talked about hurdles and things along the way. When you're working at the coalface and starting a new business, it's exciting time. It's fun. It really is great. You see quick results. You go to a place where there's no fast way, and all of a sudden, a couple of months down the track, there's 30 or 40 vans running around, and then it's 100. Uh, what does happen, though, when the business gets bigger, and it's the people side of the business? I actually preferred the coalface to the people side of the business. So as we grew, we had to adapt and change, and I brought in managing directors of each of the divisions of the companies 
to take over those day-to-day management roles. And I stayed at the coalface as we went to new countries and because that's what I loved doing. Even though I was still the chairman, still at the top, everybody was still being driven by my goals, but individuals who were better at running people and managing um, funds and the likes were actually in those particular roles. And technology just developed so quickly that, interesting, when we started the business, the hardest job we had was trying to get our franchisees to change from the old roll faxes to plain paper copiers. And then it was mobile phones, then it was computers, then it was websites, or emails. So, you know, technology has grown on to the stage of when we sold the business. Every part of the business was, was controlled by electronic technology. Wow. And Bill, for those who don't know or unaware, can you share a little bit about where what was the exit that you ended up having with, with, the, with the business? How did, it, how did it play out after these numerous gold books? I'm kind of scared to ask how many gold books you might have got through. What was that? There's a lot. I've still got them all from 1970. I haven't got my original ones as a kid, but I got everything from 1970. Uh, but we were at a stage in the business that we had reached our plan where we had to look at either going public or selling. Um, and we were very lucky that uh, we got a very good offer from Amerix and um, they were a global player and they wanted our strength in the markets that we were in. And uh, it was very successful. They bought all of our business operations. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And I'm interested to know now, have you got grandkids, Bill? I've got five grandchildren, yes. So what are you passing on to them now? Well, the first thing I do is I don't give them any presents. So for their birthdays or Christmas, they get some money, but it gets invested. I invest it for them. And then each of them has a summary sheet, that, a spreadsheet that I've calculated for them that shows them what they've got. Like at, at Easter, I'll send them a, a little note with, a, with a, a sheet showing what their nest egg actually is now. So I'm teaching them to basically save money and to learn to manage money at an early age. And they've all got a lot of money now. <laughs> Whereas if I, I said to them, if I'd have brought you toys, you'd have nothing. Yeah, I love that. I think that is inspired. And and what about the discussions around goals? How do they respond to what granddad's doing? Um, my old, my elder children, or my, or my sorry, my younger children, because I've got four children. The younger ones really look at what I do and are emanating me now. Whereas the older ones didn't have me around. I was always travelling, starting new franchises, and they weren't seeing what I was doing every day. Whereas the younger ones now, who one's 17 and one's 22, they've got to see me a lot more since I've sold the business. So they're seeing what I'm doing and they are emanating what I'm what I'm doing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a different situation. The, the grandchildren, I've got three in Melbourne and two in New Zealand, so I don't see them often enough to be able to influence them into the goal-setting stage. But when they get older, I, I definitely will. Oh, awesome. And what an awesome story in terms of um, it all emanating from your granddad. Uh, all those years ago, selling flavored water. <laughs> he was um, he was just my mentor, and I'm just very lucky that I got to enjoy a number of years with him, and uh, it was great. Well, I think that's probably a great place to leave this conversation, Bill, and and, and arguably the biggest opportunity around being your own boss, right? Uh, is that is that opportunity to pass on a legacy to your family and set them up on a whole new trajectory, just like your granddad did. Uh, for you and, and obviously what well, that's opened up for you in, in your own personal career so bill look thank you so much for for going into uh, 
your story, who should be an entrepreneur, and uh, we'll link to the book below here because I think it certainly sounds, if people were in a business, they'd probably want to find out quick smart if they should be in the business. And for those who are considering it, it certainly sounds like it's a great opportunity to, to work out whether it's a, um, a good opportunity or not. So yeah, Bill, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. <laughs>